Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. And if you enjoy listening to our show, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button on the episodes. Finally, aside from our podcast, our day job here at RiderFlex is to provide recruiting, staffing, and consulting services. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get the information on the services we provide. And now, a quick word from our sponsor and friends at Marketing 360. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Jason Cormier on the Rider Flex podcast. How you doing, Jason? Steve, I'm doing great, man. Great to be here. Thanks for taking the time. You bet. Is that French, by the way? Is it is it a French name? Yeah, French Canadian, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Is that are you, is it like your grandfather from from Canada or France? What's mm-hmm. what's the story there? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, grandfather was from Canada, and then his mom Meme. Um. So yeah, yeah. and evidently there's a lot of Cormiers in Louisiana. And, uh, yep. Yep. You know, so there's, I got brethren in the bayou. <laughs> Have you been down there by the way? Southern Louisiana? Have you been? Uh, yeah, a little bit quick trips, mostly, you know, quick trips to New Orleans, stuff like that. But I haven't spent a lot of time in Canada. Um, okay. so do you speak any French? No, <laughs> no, no. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, give us the early, give give us the early family life story, you know, where you grew up, mom, dad, siblings, talk to us a little bit. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Steve, you warned me, you were going to get maybe uh, kind of personal. So, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, let me see. So family life, I'm an only child. Um, so which has its, its pluses and minuses mm-hmm. as many only children know. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was 17 when she had me. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So her and my dad, um, actually, because she was pregnant with me, my dad did not have to go to Vietnam. So that's a convenient thing. Okay. Um, they were basically hippies growing up in LA. And wow. uh, after about three years, they decided, you know what, maybe we shouldn't raise a kid in this environment. Were you so, uh, now? Were you in like a little bus with flowers painted on it, driving around as a baby? Was that? I'm, I'm trying to envision it. <laughs> Actually, that is really pretty accurate. Yeah. So, so my dad was in business with his little brother, and the name of their business was Pud Pipes. And Pud Pipe. Pud Pipes. Yes, Pud Pipes. Pud, Pud Pipes. Okay. All right. I know. Yeah. Where, I think I might know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, they were sculptors and wood carvers, and All they. Right. They carved deer antler and they made pipes and uh, they cruised around in a little Volkswagen bus along the beach in Southern California and sold pipes. So yeah, I was uh, hanging out in a van and little beach kid and, you know, passed around at parties. I mean, it was, it was, you know, quite fun from what I love it. Love it. Love it. I'm guessing those pipes weren't for tobacco. (laughs) They were not, they were not at all for tobacco. No. Yeah. Uh, that's all right. Pretty cool. Um, okay. Uh, and then what, what did your mom and dad end up doing later? Just curious. Yeah. So, so they, uh, they said we, we need a radical change mm-hmm. and they moved to grand junction, Colorado. Okay. 
right. So from LA to Grand Junction, pr pretty radical change. That's yeah, yep, for sure. Back um, then, for sure, yep. Yeah, yeah. So this was you know '70s, and then uh, and then they ended up uh, in Colorado Springs a few years later. So I actually grew up in Colorado Springs. I see. Um, yeah, from the time I was in first grade on, went to high school in the Air Force Academy, uh, met my future business partner there. So in high school. I see. I see. All right. So you graduated high school, Colorado Springs. Um, did you know what you wanted to do uh, before you went off to college? I mean, did you have a plan? Uh, did, you know, because I know you, you started, I think, at CSU, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so the plan was to study graphic design. Uh, and I was super interested in that. However, I mean, you know, you, you get into college and all the classes that you're really interested in, especially your freshman year, aren't even available. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I ended up taking like forestry classes and just the, you know, the basics that every freshman takes. And it was quite disheartening, to be honest with you. Uh, so you weren't having a good time. Were you partying a lot? Were you having a good time with your friends, but hating the classes? What, what, what was it? <laughs> yeah. So um, it was a nonstop party. Uh, mm. And so room 214, which my business is actually named after as that's, that was the freshman dorm room I shared with my business partner. Wow. Okay. Now, did you guys know each other or did you just walk in and, and he's there and you're like, Oh, Hey, I'm your roommate. <laughs> no, we, we met in ninth grade. Um, we actually oh, okay. knew who each other was in middle oh, school, oh, right, but right. we actually, we met in ninth okay. grade. So okay. we knew we were going up to CSU together. Okay. And um, that first semester we were both on academic probation. I mean, it was seriously <laughs> what, from one party to the next, every single <laughs> night, nonstop. So uh, yeah, when I told my wife that we were going to name the company room 214, cause um, she was in the scene back in those days she was like, oh, this better be redemptive because what happened in room 214 was not a good thing. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. So a good time in college there, your freshman year for sure. Um, uh, were you, were your parents paying for the school? Were you on scholarship? I'm just uh, wondering, were your folks pissed off that you, your grades were bad and you were partying all the time and they were paying for it? Or were you on scholarship? No, I, I had a Pell Grant. Um, oh, yes. Right. Right. So right. that was really the thing that was getting me through that freshman year. Mm. Um, yeah, they, they didn't, they weren't paying for anything. And, um, and actually like, so after that freshman year, I dropped out because uh -huh. I knew it was just, I was going, I had no money. I wasn't getting any of the classes that I wanted, you know, like probably, I don't know, 20, 30,000 people up there felt like I was just in a rat race. I was a mess, you know? Okay. And so, um, so I decided to enlist in the Navy. And why the Why the Navy? Uh, I had an uncle who was in the Navy, and I thought, you know what? I want to get as far away from this place as possible, and I don't want to end up like in a bunker underground in Kansas somewhere. So the Air Force is out. Um, the Army and the Marines, I, I hadn't really thought about, and my grandmother was always like, "Hey, if you want three squares a day." The Navy is the best place to be. <laughs> I see. Okay. All right. Now, did, what what did your roommate say? Was he, was he like, no, man, stay stay here with me? Or what, what did he do? I'm just. Well, what's funny is, I mean, James was uh, my roommate. He was, he was very supportive. He was okay. kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're going to do that. But okay. Mm -hmm. And actually his dad was an officer in the Navy. And I talked to his dad 
And I asked him, if I'm joining the Navy, like, what job should I get into? And his dad gave me some of the best advice I ever got. Ah, interesting. Okay. All right. And you wanted to do what? Operations specialist? Is that, was that the goal? That was, you know, that was just, that was what his dad said. Okay. Okay. (laughs) James's dad, James Sr., who was an officer for 20 years, you know, Mm. he was like, uh, here's the deal. If you list in the Navy, I mean, you've got like 75, 80 different jobs you can choose from. If you don't pick one, you'll just end up being a janitor on the boat, which is fine. Uh, It's great work, but you will be outside sweating and chipping paint all the time. He's like, if you want to be behind the bridge where the action is next to the officers and in an air conditioned space at all times, be an operations specialist. (laughs) idea. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. Did you, um, were you thinking at that time, I'm going to go to school when I get out or you just didn't know for sure. I was thinking uh, it was going to be four years. I would get out of school when I got out. I knew I was going to get my GI bill okay. and I knew that I'd be able to like see the world and figure some things out. Okay. All right, cool. So you come out of the Navy and then what walk us into your early career. Yeah. So, um, so came out of the Navy and so I'm married to my high school sweetheart, Keely, mm. and mm. we started dating when we were 16. Wow. And uh, so we separated you know, before I went into the Navy, but we always did. Yeah, we did. You did like you, you officially broke up. You're officially like, Hey, you go on and do your thing. Okay. Actually we broke up. Um, I, this is, this is a terrible thing. I, I gave my wife six months notice while we were in high school that <laughs> we were going to break up in my, <laughs> my high school brain. I thought somehow that was a good idea. Giving notice uh, <laughs> is miserable. You know, of course the rest of those six months were terrible. Um, yeah. yeah so so, so that's how that went, but we always kept in touch. We we're always friends. All right. And um, so while I was in the Navy, we wrote each other letters constantly. Okay. Um, which was really cool. So mm-hmm. about um, near the time I was uh, getting out, we were connecting a lot. And, um, and so I actually proposed about uh, seven months before I got out of the Navy. So we got married you- before I got out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. you did. Okay. Did you propose when you were back in the States back home or did you, would you, okay, great. Yeah. So, right. I mean, I, w- I was stationed in Japan for a couple of years. I didn't have a vacation for two years, came wow. back to the United States. And this was the first time we were going to see each other. And you know, I'm in the airport and she was meeting me at the airport. And as I'm on one of those like escalators, but it's just flat, you know, and, I, and I'm, she's at the end of it and she's got flowers for me. And as I'm approaching in slow motion, both of us were like visibly shaking. And it, it was, it was just the moment where it was like, okay. Very cool. Very <laughs> yeah. cool. So oh, not long after great. that, I proposed, she said, yes. Great. The reason that's relevant to the story is because uh, when I got, when I was getting out of the Navy, she was actually finishing her master's degree in Oklahoma. Okay. And um, so here we were, She's like, okay, I guess it's time for me to get a job. It's time for you to go to school. Let's just pick where do we want to live in the United States. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I always wanted to learn how to surf. Ocean would be cool. She's like, well, Oklahoma sucks. So, uh, so we chose Santa Barbara. So that's Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara is a great place. Had you been out to California before that? Just uh, L.A. Back and forth visiting my grandma, you know, and stuff because okay. my parents, you know, I have family in L.A. But um, okay. so yeah, went went to Santa Barbara. And what was funny is everybody was like, "What are you guys thinking? You know, that's like super expensive. Super you know? expensive. 
Um, mm -hmm. Not going to be able to do anything there. You're not going to be able to find a place. No, this is like 1993. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we had $3,000 in the bank from our wedding. And I felt like, come on, this is many months. <laughs> uh, did you move out before she actually landed a job? Now, I know you were going to go to school and you had the GI Bill to pay for school, but did she get a job before you moved or you guys just went out there and got an apartment and, and she started looking? Yeah, we just went out there and got an apartment. Yeah. <laughs> I love, it. love it. And then, you know, she looked and she got a job a month later. Okay. All right. So, Very good. All right. Yeah. And then, and you majored in computer science. Were you going to be a software engineer? Well, I thought I was. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, at the time it was kind of like, I started with environmental engineering. I had this idea that the environment uh, was in danger. Um, yeah. Imagine that, imagine that. <laughs> um, but then it, it was just really unclear as to like what I could actually do with an environmental engineering degree. So I switched to computer science. Okay. Um, and then the problem was, and this is where we start getting into the business side of things. Mm -hmm. The problem was I really sucked as a coder. Uh, okay. an awful programmer. And, um, well, there's a good friend of mine, Greg Lawler, who was in one of my computer classes. And he said, dude, there's this thing called Netscape 1.0. And this is amazing. And here's, here are the disks. And, um, here's a, he gave me a one page piece of paper with HTML commands. He's like, this is HTML. This is kind of everything you need to know to make what's called a web page. <laughs> and, um, and then he gave me like version three of Photoshop. Again, wow. many discs, like eight discs. Wow. And uh, he's like, if you learn Photoshop and you learn HTML, you can build these web pages. And this is like the future of the internet. And uh, and for the listeners, this is like 96, 97, 98. Like, this, where is this? this is 96 at this point. 96. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm thinking back to 96. Like, wow. this actually, this was, I want to say this was 95. I started my business in 96. So this was up, this was probably 95. 95. Okay. Yeah. Green screen, yeah. Black, black screens with green letters. That's what I had with a laptop, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. The Toshibas or whatever, you know, there was yeah. always there was okay. a bunch of them. Um, so, so I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. This is creative. Like I wanted to do graphic design originally. I started learning Photoshop. Okay. I was like, oh, this is wonderful. And then, you know, if you had any computer experience at all, building a web page with HTML one back in the day, was like, yes, yep. super simple. Right. So um, there was a real estate agent guy who, who I knew and he's like, do you building web? Will you build me this, one of these websites? Is this why now, is this after college or while you were no, in this school? Is during while I was in school. Yeah. While you're in school. All right. And you're, this is like a buddy that's like in the real estate. You're having beers with him. He's like, Hey, can you build me a website? <laughs> yeah, that pretty much it. That, that, that was how it went. Okay. And, uh, all right. And so I was like, uh, sure, 350 bucks. And, uh, <laughs> like, sounds good. Uh, so did that. And, um, and then, you know, just thought, gosh, you know what, this is, this is definitely the future. So, um, so I made a one page flyer called why you need a website. And I proceeded to walk down the streets of Santa Barbara and go into different businesses and hand out this flyer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. You're right. Cause you didn't, you couldn't, uh, there was no Google AdWords. There was no, none of that. You couldn't advertise the fact that you're building websites. Right. So you're passing out flyers. Wow. Where at in Santa Barbara? Like what street was that on? Do you remember? State street. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was downtown Santa Barbara. So it was just going from place to place. And back then I'm trying to remember. So, so if you went into 10 businesses, 
probably what two had websites and eight eight didn't or, or what i'm trying to remember is that I about mean, right maybe there, even less than maybe even yeah, less i would than say that. probably less yeah right there okay. was a lot of most companies did not have websites I now, get, right uh, i remember that it's i mean that was not that long ago i mean if you really think about it like it really wasn't that long ago okay so you're passing out these flyers and the, the business owners and things they're like what like what what, what are you talking about I don't, yeah I don't most know. of the time they're like we're never going to get a website kid beat it you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh but as it would happen so my wife had uh she was working at kinko's at the time which is now fedex right okay right. um Kinko's headquarters was in Ventura. It's about half an hour down the road. And her friend, a woman named Mary Hamilton was a, was a marketing, like a senior marketing person there. And um, she knew that I was dabbling with web development and this was kind of a pivotal moment. She, uh, she called me up one day and she said, Hey, we need some work on Kinko's.com. And uh, you know, this, and she walked me through the scope, what they needed done. And I was like, oh my gosh, I could do this with my eyes closed. This is amazing. So I knew it was a bigger company, of course. You know, they had like 900 stores nationwide and I was trying to be really strategic. <laughs> hey, Mary, this is going to cost $1,000. So, um, you know, this is via email. She, she writes back and she says, um, Jason, I, I don't know how to tell you this exactly. I just want to be clear and honest. Actually, this was a conversation. Um, she's like, in order for my company to take your bid seriously, you have to add another zero. <laughs> and you're like $10,000 to build a website. Like, okay. Yes. The thing is, it wasn't, it was just maintenance on their current site. It was one oh, day. Oh, oh, okay. So they had a site up. They just needed maintenance. Wow. Yeah, wow. They, they, needed, <laughs> they needed like two pages and some graphic changes and stuff. It was a day of work. And uh, I said, uh, okay. And I sent the statement of work and she executed it right away. And I made $10,000 that day. And I thought, this is a business. Now, now, okay. That's, that is fantastic story. Now, can I ask, you didn't have an LLC set up. You didn't have, when she's like, send a proposal where you're like, oh shit. Okay. I, uh, yeah. Here's a service level agreement. You just created some document and sent it to her. She had something. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did have a, I had a fictitious, uh, <laughs> business statement. So, so I did have the name, the name was flash internet, flash uh, internet, flash internet. Was it, was it filed as an LLC? Did you have a checking account? None of that stuff was set up. I, I did. I actually had, I had set it up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and okay. just, this was the, um, I think this was the third try I had started. I tried to start three other businesses while I was in school. Um, all around the same type of thing. No, there was like some electronic oh billing industry i tried to start not an industry but a company because electronic billing was like a thing you know okay okay <laughs> so i thought well, well that's the future i'll try okay. to do that um all right. yeah there's a couple did, other things that failed miserably where did that entrepreneurial stuff come from like where was that bug uh, how, how did that bug get in there and, and yeah i mean yeah, it's so ahead. funny you asked that uh so when i was in fifth grade i had to do some sort of um report on I don't know, what are you going to be when you grow up type of thing? Okay. And, um, and my mom introduced me to, so I was supposed to like interview somebody. And uh, my mom introduced me to this guy and um, he was an entrepreneur. And that's the first time I ever heard that word. Mm. And he told me this amazing story about how he designed shower curtains and had them manufactured and explained his whole business to me. 
and told me like all the benefits of working for yourself. And, mm-hmm. and that, that always stuck in my mind. And I so see. I just thought maybe one day that I can be an entrepreneur too. I see. So, okay. So now I get it. I just want to frame this. So when you came out of the Navy, you're going to school, you and your wife are living in Santa Barbara. When you started doing websites and things you, in your mind, you're like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I might do this. I might do that, but I want to own my own business someday. That was, that was in your head way back then. Okay. Gotcha. All right. All right. So when you got the $10,000 contract for Kinko's, now you're like, wow, this is for real. Now I actually do have a company and I got 10 grand of seed money in the bank. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do you have a picture? Do you have a picture of yourself holding that, t- holding that first check somewhere in front of the bank? That'd be awesome. <laughs> no, I do have funny pictures of, so what ended up happening is we used um, Kinko's. They, you know, I mean, amazing resources. They had this incredible photographer who would do photo shoots for their brand book and build like a catalog full of, you know, things that you would see on posters out in front of Kinko's. Well, we decided to use that guy and he took pictures of my wife and I cool. in all kinds of really hip clothes and funny positions. And that became, that was on our website. Oh, and cool. so eventually what happened was Keely, um, I asked her to join the business uh-huh. um, all right. and quit, quit her job and said, you know, so have you heard of lynda.com? Lynda.com? lynda.com. I I don't know. It sounds familiar, but I don't know it. So lynda.com started by Linda (laughs) was purchased by LinkedIn for about a billion dollars. So all of LinkedIn's training is through lynda.com. I did not know that. Yeah. So, so there's all kinds of great training you can take on LinkedIn and it's all integrated through lynda.com. Well, back in the day, Linda was an entrepreneur who lived 30 minutes down the road from us. And she had classes called how to learn web development, how to learn Photoshop, how to learn Flash. So Flash was popular back then, right? Shockwave Flash. Um, and so I just sent my wife down to Linda and she learned how to build web pages from Linda and how to use Photoshop. And so then I doubled my workforce and then we ended up doubling the business. I mean, we were six figures and she and I, you know, here we are in our twenties, we would just, we would do all the sales, the service. It was incredible. Wow. So this is flat. Now this is flash internet was the company. Mm -hmm. Can I ask this question? When your wife quit the job at Kinko's, which I'm assuming she had health benefits at the time, that was pretty, that's a risky move right there. Right. I mean, you weren't making a ton of money and you went to her and said, look, quit your job. Come help me do this. I mean, that that was a little bit of a scary move. I'm guessing um, unless, unless you had a ton of money in the bank and did you have any, and then I want to follow that up with, did you have any kids at that time or, or no? No, no. Okay. Uh, right. The kids right. definitely introduced a, threw in a serious wrench in the equation. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. And no, no benefits or anything because, you know, yeah. we're in our twenties. We don't need healthcare. Right. <laughs> wow. Risky move on your part for you and her both at that time, but okay, great. And you built it up over the, what, the next four years? Yeah, we, um, about three years. Um, and, and so, yeah, so what happened was, uh, then she got pregnant with our first son, okay, Isaiah. And, um, all of a sudden I was about to lose half my workforce (laughs) and the idea, by the way, of hiring back then, really Mm. scary. Mm. Mm. It was like beyond me, the thought, the thought that I could actually go find somebody who I could work with Mm. and Mm -hmm. probably have to train. And then I don't have an office, you know, I'm working out of my garage. (laughs) 
I got you. All right. But you did. You ended up hiring people? No. What happened was um, there was a, a public company in town called NetLogics, and they had a division called Addictive Media that created video games um, and did all kinds of web development. And I was their number one competitor. And so one day I got a um, call from the CEO and he said, hey, will you have breakfast with me at the El Encanto, which is like a fancy pants, you know, rest, uh, hotel restaurant that overlooks the ocean. Um, normally I would never go there because too expensive. <laughs> so, um, so I'm like, well, this is interesting. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I meet with him. And this, I kid you not, Steve, this is kind of like right out of the movies. Well, it sounds like a scene from It's a Wonderful Life when, uh, what's his name, brings in, uh, uh, oh gosh. Uh, I can't Potter? Yeah, when Potter brings in, uh, oh, anyway. Yeah, I'm thinking of that scene. Go ahead. <laughs> Fortunately, this guy wasn't like Potter. So there's that. Okay. okay. <laughs> no, he's a good guy. Um, but But what happened was really cheesy. So this was, just to set the stage, this was early 2000, like beginning of 2000. So this was the height of the dot bomb era where mm -hmm. people were making money, you know, hand over yes. fist. This was like yep. stock market was insane. There was a big mm -hmm. bubble that was about to burst. Yep, I so, so anyway, Tony, his name's Tony Papa and his business partner, by the way, is Jim Pisani. <laughs> okay. Uh, there might be some things behind the curtain there, but, but anyway, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're looking at the ocean and everything. And, uh, you know, it's kind of small talk at first. And I kid you not, Tony goes, Jason, he's writing on a napkin. Cause of course this is a movie scene. <laughs> he goes, today's the day I make you a millionaire. This is, a, this is a scene out of, out of It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. It actually happened. <laughs> wow. He slides, he slides the napkin across the table. <laughs> and I look at it. I'm just like, what is, this is cheesy. I, and uh, he's like, I'll give it to you straight. Base salary, $100,000. Guaranteed bonus, $40,000 a year. And what you see right there with the rest of those numbers, that's a million dollars worth of company stock. That, that'll be worth far more within the next several years, you'll be able to cash all that out. Okay, now let me frame that into what you were currently making. So that's 140 total compensation annually. What had you brought in the year before with your own company? We were doing about 150. Uh, that was total revenue. So you and your wife together were bringing household income in of like what, 100 maybe or? or... I mean, you know, we were low tax bracket, but yeah. I mean, it, it oh, was okay. You know, okay. That's by the way, that's pretty good money back then. You guys were doing pretty it good was. already. We were doing yeah, well. yeah, we, we were, yeah, you were doing well. You weren't hurt. You weren't hurting or anything. You were doing just fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, all right. So you, all right. But he, now, of course, to get this offer, to take this deal, you got to come to work for him and shut down your business. Yeah. And he said, if you make this decision over the weekend, I'll give you $25,000. And uh, we're going to take flash internet. So he wants you to sell flash internet for $25,000 and then pay you compensation of 140, but he's giving you this million dollars of stock supposedly. Yeah. So he basically said, look, we've opened up this sweet office downtown on state street. We have sales reps in New York, Chicago, Northern California in here. 
we okay. want to have you be a VP of pick your title. And okay. we're going to have you run the entire division of web development for the company. And mm -hmm. you can have sales reps at your disposal. Mm -hmm. And we have a data center here in um, Santa Barbara. We're going to have you run that data center too, because we, we, this company did hosting services back then, mm -hmm. co-location where you could put your server. And I mean, they were actually really pretty innovative and early at the time. Okay. So it was like this dream come true. I got to hire whoever I want to hire and um, work in this sweet office downtown and get all this money. All right. And have the stock that's going to make you a millionaire at some point. So you took it. You took the deal. I took the deal. Then, then the, the internet bubble burst. And let me guess. I'm, I know where this is going. The stock ends up being worth nothing. And that company like runs out of cash. I don't know. Something like that. How close am I? Pretty close. I sold the stock for six hundred dollars. So he did not make me a millionaire. Wow. Oh my gosh. Um, and they were actually pretty smart. Um, they they merged with another uh, hosting and internet company uh, in the area, and they ended up going from public to private. They turned into a private company, changed the name, and to this day they're they're doing just fine. Oh, okay. So, but you left. You departed there. I did. I left. I, I stuck it out for um, almost three years. And then they wanted me to uh, go into sales. And um, I said, no, I said, I'm you out. Said, I'm going to go start another company. All right. Yeah. Plus the entrepreneurial bug and being your own captain was still eating away at you. Right. Yeah. So you, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. All right. And that next company you started was business to order. Yeah, there was an, there was an interim actually, there was a company called the strata uh, that I started, which I, I just thought, well, I'm going to do my own web development again. I see. Um, so I did that, but in those, you know, three years, times had changed. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was this whole other thing happening with, well, just because you build websites doesn't mean people will find them. So, you know, SEO was kind of the, it was just kind of starting to really right. take flight. Um, right. and I thought, you know what, that's interesting to me, but I'm not, I'm not really there yet. Um, so then I started business to order and that was, that was just based on the concept that um, I knew that there was going to be a lot more sales on online. Right. Um, this was a time where, you know, Amazon was just starting to kick out of the gate really. Okay. Yep. Um, I mean, they'd been around for a little while, but you could just, you could just see it was, everything was going to be sold online. So I started thinking about what's the best way to get a piece of that action. Well, credit card processing, merchant services. Mm. So I started just I did like a deep dive exploration into how do people use credit cards? How do businesses use credit cards? I see. I see. And okay. in that process, what I learned was there were a ton of agents out there trying to sell credit card processing services to businesses. Yes. Yes. And um, a lot of them didn't have websites. Ah, and okay. the thing that was like creating the biggest delay for them in their own business was people had to fill out an application mm -hmm. to accept mm -hmm. credit cards. There was no online forms. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, these people should use online forms and they'll, they'll get better business. They'll, you know, they'll also be found online so on and so forth. So I basically, um, I had two business partners that went in on this with me. 
Um, how, how did you know these guys? Uh, while I was doing my exploration in the credit card world, uh-huh. I ended up meeting a VP of a credit card processing company. Uh, okay. and, and he headed up the sales. And um, he and I got to talking about the needs in the market and stuff. And, and I told him uh, what I thought I could do. And he was like, I will quit my job and be your business partner. Wow. All right. So, and, and then the other partner was a silent partner. It, it was a, some doctor guy that he knew in LA who had a bunch of money. So, Oh, okay. So that was seed money to get started. Yeah. 60 grand, 60 grand. So, so that guy was the cash and you guys were the sweat equity, so to speak. Yep. Okay. Very yeah. good. All right. All right. All right. Well, so, so you, are, you, you didn't want to, you didn't want to be in sales at the other job. Meanwhile, you are selling cause you're talking people into doing things and, and partnering with you. So you really were a sales guy anyway. <laughs> well, the other thing is like the business partner, Jimmy, who was supposed to be the killer sales guy uh, after he quit his company, he decided that while he was selling for us, he was going to go ahead and start another credit card process. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> that guy is super rich by the way, but he, oh. he unfortunately left me hanging. Mm. Um, so I had to sell and build websites and templates and do the marketing and everything. Uh, okay. It was all, all me. Right. Okay. All right. And so, so that, because that partnership got messy, you got out of that deal and now we're getting close to room 214. Okay. Walk us into, so let's, let's, yeah. Walk us into transition and uh, uh, into two, into room 214 and then go ahead and give us an overview as well uh, of, sure. of the company and that of the company you have now go for it. Yeah. Well, the transition, there's actually one more company in between that transition, Okay, <laughs> uh, but it's a good story. All right. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah, I, I think I should be the judge of that. <laughs> so, okay. so I got a call from James who's in Boulder, Colorado. This is my- Your, ro- your roommate, the old yeah. roommate. Okay. Yeah. And he's like, uh, dude, we, <laughs> we had talked, by the way, this entire time, James was um, running a PR firm in Boulder, a high-tech PR firm, which was very successful. Running and as in, running as in uh, CEO <laughs> or owner, or what do you, what do you mean? Oh, he was okay. the president and okay. uh, part owner, part owner. Okay. All right. So, um, the founder had basically been slowly turning the reins over to him. Okay. Okay. Um, and while that was happening, he and I always stayed in touch. And while I was building websites, we found ways to work together because he was in PR, right? I see. I see. So, um, so for example, do you remember the company Quest? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So their first website we built. Really? And, it, and they, what, they didn't even have their own domain name. It was like flashinternet.com slash quest. <laughs> so, I mean, that was because of him. You know, he had clients like that, high-tech clients, and he would call me up and then I would talk about websites and then his clients would be like, oh my gosh, this PR firm really knows what's up. They're talking about websites. <laughs> so anyway, James calls me up one day. He's like, dude, I got it. I figured out how we can work together. And I'm all ears, right? Because yeah. I mean, we yep. this was kind of a dream to work together someday, um, like full time. And your and, other thing, and your other thing was folding up or getting messy anyway. So it was perfect timing. You were looking for a change. Okay. I was. Yep. And uh, and his stuff was um, he was right on the verge of selling his PR firm during the whole dot bomb thing, and he would have made a ton of money. And I mean, it went to the very last minute, and then the company pulled out. 
I mean, they had actually already sent the steaks, the frozen steaks to congratulate them. <laughs> they had done all this and then it fell through. Uh, and so he was, he was experiencing some rocky times at that point. And um, so I'm like, okay, what's, what's the deal? This is, um, two, this is around 2003. Yeah. Okay. He says, um, okay, there's this guy, no name Jason, different Jason. He speaks Chinese, Cantonese, Mandarin. And this guy is having this manufacturing done in China and he's bringing in tons of stuff. It's in Walmart, it's in Home Depot. It's like everything you can think of. He's got all these connections in China and um, he doesn't want to be a guy anymore. He wants to be a company. Right now he's just a guy, you know? And so okay. he wants a brand, he wants a website, he wants a company, he wants PR. And um, I told him, well, if this is gonna happen with me, I'm gonna need to bring in my partner, Jason. And um, he already had this, this other guy, Jason, already had partners, he had two other partners. So James was like, we, we each need 20% of the business. And the guy said, you got it. So was it, was it just a wholesale? Was it like a wholesale a company of CPG goods or what was it? He was like an agent. So imagine you're, you're Home Depot and you uh -huh. say, hey, see these big pots that we, you know, these planters that we, you know, yeah. clay pots, but they're not clay, they're plastic or whatever. Yeah. Um, we need like 10,000 more of these. Do you oh, have a connection oh. in China that can help I us see. with that? You know, I see. so okay. he was, he was basically it. working with manufacturers and, okay. and uh, getting these huge orders for all kinds of big box companies. Okay, great. Um, and he was killing it, right? So, so James calls me up and he's like, you know, here's the deal. He's like, so, you know, this guy, Jason, this is what he's doing. I want you to stop what you're doing right now. Go pick up a Harvard Business Review. Okay. Okay. I go pick up a Harvard Business Review and on the cover, it's all about like everything's being manufactured in China. You know, this was like a huge, you know, like shift in the market where all, you know, all the jobs are going to China. Right. So it's like, okay, how do we take advantage of this? Um, so he's like, we need a name for the company. We need to, we need to figure all this out. So it's like, okay, well, we don't know crap about manufacturing in China. Right. Oh, well, it's marketing. <laughs> so we came up with a name called vital sourcing. Vital sourcing. Okay. Vital source. I didn't see that on your LinkedIn profile, but yeah, but go I ahead. Mean, you, you can't find it today. One big mistake we made is we should have kept the domain name and we let it expire. Uh, so, um, so we started this uh, company and we uh, Google AdWords was a new platform we'd been playing with a bit. And what we were noticing on Google AdWords at the time is everybody was creating ads to like, buy this click here. We thought, wouldn't it be cool if we created an ad that said the top five things you need to know about manufacturing in China? And then we'll create this booklet, let's call it a white paper. And um, for people to download it, they'll need to give us their name yes. and their email address. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is like early content marketing in yes. 2003, right? Yes. People yeah. weren't doing that, right? Mm. Um, not a lot anyway. And so we did this and, um, and then, you know, I built the website, was paying a lot of attention to keywords at that time. There were also uh, something new on the scene that was kind of bubbling up was this concept of RSS feeds. Mm. Uh, so early blogs were using RSS feeds to get indexed in search engines. So, so I set up an RSS feed and um, before you knew it, MSN 
<laughs> Google and Yahoo, like if you typed in just about anything that had to do with manufacturing in China, seriously, you guys, like 50 you terms, want... number one, top of the page in all three wow. search engines. Wow. So, so, so at that point, inbound calls, inbound business was just flooding in. You didn't even have to have a sales guy going out and hustling stuff. No sales guy needed. In the yeah. meantime, um, we got a, we started, we got featured in a couple magazines. Ah, great. James was doing his PR thing. Then we got a call from the Wharton School of Business and said, Hey, we're running a huge event called the China Business Forum. And you guys are clearly the leading experts. Will you come alongside the CEO of Perry Ellis and be a keynote speaker? Yes. <laughs> yeah. What's so funny about that though, is we didn't know crap about manufacturing in China. It was just pretty good. In marketing. <laughs> that is so good. That's pretty good. So, you know, good. Jason Strong, of course, knew about it. So anyway, to fast forward past that, there was a huge problem. Uh oh. Uh, <laughs> let me let me let me let me guess. Uh, let me let me think. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know. There was four founders, so I don't know. Any you got any, you got any founder relate any founder issues there? You got the little. Sometimes it gets messy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's this thing in China known as Guanxi, and it's this whole concept of um, saving face mm. and making good but honest deals. And unfortunately, one of our one of the partners um, mm. failed at this. Did you now come before you go into the short story on it? Can I ask you, was the operating agreement clean? Was the cap table clean? Oh, okay. No, <laughs> not at all. I got uh, you. All right. So, to make the story a little bit shorter, I mean, it's just with all of the leads that we got, and we got leads from massive companies that everybody's heard of, okay. we didn't close a single deal. Wow. Why? Because when it came down to presenting the bid, uh. we were priced out because we had screwed over the relationships that we had with the manufacturers uh -oh. that we worked with. And there was this huge problem that James and I had no control of and no awareness of until we just kept hearing no after no after no, because, you know, people were, I mean, they would just get competitive bids for products. Yeah, yep. never win a single yep. bit. So the revenue, the, the revenue took a dive. Then cash flow ran out. And well, here's the thing, Steve. There was no revenue ever, there, ever. Oh, ever, ever. ever. You're hold on. You ended up being number one on organic search on Google, and inbound calls were coming in, but you couldn't close the deals, and there was no revenue. Oh my God, that is oof, boy. We went to China twice. And at that time, we were in villages where they had not seen white people. <laughs> and we are like learning all this stuff about manufacturing. And, and by the way, seeing some of the labor practices there too, we walked away from that going, huh, this isn't cool uh, at gotcha. all. Yeah. You know, so well, how are you, how are, how are you funding? How was, how, how are you funding it? How are you cash flowing the business uh, during this time by building websites on the side baby <laughs> i see but now okay now were you doing that on the side to pay for you and to, to cover expenses for you and your wife on the side or you were do or you were building websites and running that through that business or how were you doing that yeah so business to order was still an entity i see 
Okay. And because it, it uh, so I started building websites under that entity. I see. Okay. And I was doing it as part of like a good faith effort to hopefully like reimburse, okay. Okay. you know, keep, and keep that business alive. I kept waiting for Jimmy to come back and sell for us. Okay, and he kept gotcha. telling me, I just need a little more time. I, I, I was see. like, okay, well then I'll keep this thing open over here. What was your wife doing at the time? Raising our son. Okay. <laughs> no income from her either. Okay. All right. So, cash, so personal cash flow at this time then is probably getting a little tighter. I'm guessing it's getting a little tighter at home. Very. And your wife's like, she's like, Hey, uh, Jason, I don't know. Is this, is this working or what, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. So, so then James one day says, um, clearly this is a disaster, this vital sourcing business that we're in. All right. But let's just take a little inventory of everything that we've learned in this process. Now he had quit his big job. He had quit his big paying job to do this other thing. Yeah. Cash was tight on his end too. Okay. Yeah. You guys are both like, uh, I can see you both like going, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was capping reserves for sure. All right. So, so it was like, um, think about everything we learned. Hmm. We learned how to have search engines pay attention to us. We learned that essentially we came up with this concept that the search engines are the media. And James's observation as a PR person was that when somebody in PR, when somebody in the press wants to know something, well, where do they turn? They, they look at a search engine first. Mm -hmm. So, so this was a kind of a novel concept at the time. And um, so, so we had this concept in our minds we knew how to operate Google AdWords. We knew something about RSS feeds. We had created um, email nurture programs. <laughs> uh, Websites. Yeah, and this whole concept of content that people would have to provide a name and an email address for in order to download something. Not to mention he had PR experience. I mean, you are a marketing agency. You and him, are, you are a marketing agency together. Yeah, so James was like, dude, let's just, Let's just, what we did for vital sourcing, let's just do this for every company on earth. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. And he's gotcha. like, let's, let's start with PR firms. Let's just start calling PR firms. Because he had those connections. He yep. had those he connections. Had those. Yep. And then Beautiful. he actually, he wrote a paper that won an award, believe it or not. There was like a, you could enter white papers to win awards. It was called Fire Your PR Firm. Oh, And wow. uh, so he wrote this paper that won an award and, uh, you know, it's like the BMA awards. And um, of course that got the attention of PR. Firm, I see. I see. You know? Okay. So All we right. got in front of them and, and the whole message was, look, you guys are old school. You're not even thinking about search engines. Perfect. Perfect. You know? Perfect. So, so you're bootstrapping it. You and him are just bootstrapping it on your own personal cash flow at that point. Yeah. Yep. And gotcha. uh, he's like, let's call the business. Let's name it after our dorm room. Let's call it room 214. <laughs> uh, I love that. Like, uh, you know, cause then it's a little, there, there's a little fun. There's a little spice to it a little bit. I like it. No, I like it. It's good. It's good. Good, good vibe. Okay. Well, very good. And room 214 was that, uh, no, there was no other business name room 214. None of that. Right. And then you looked at, was GoDaddy around then when to get the URL? I can't even remember, but yeah, I don't remember. But anyway, room 214.com was available. Bottom line. Yeah. And by the way, that was half the reason, you know, all the domain names, even back then were taken. 
I see. Okay. Um, and I will tell you the worst business advice I've ever given anybody by far was my business partner, James, when he called me one day, uh, I think it was 1997. And he said, Hey, we've been looking around at all the domain names available. There's like shoes.coms available and such and such. And he's like, you know, he's naming off all these names. And I'm like, eh, that's going to be a waste of your time and money. He's like, really? Think so? And I'm like, don't even bother with that. He's like, okay. <laughs> he probably, he probably brings that up to you every once in a while, even to this day. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. He'll remind me every once in a while. He'd be like, yeah, like the advice you gave me about domain names. <laughs> anyway. Oh, so, okay. Perfect. Part. So perfect segue now into two, yeah. Room 214. Great. So you guys get it started now. You just, you and him. Now, are you two the only owners today? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. great. All right. All right. Know what? And you haven't taken any cash. Have you, have you taken any outside cash or you just, it's bootstrapped from the beginning and you guys mm -hmm. own all of it. Yep. Okay. Congratulations. All right. Give the, give the listeners the room 214 overview real quick. Go for it. Sure. Well, I'll just tell you, if you would have started a digital agency back in 2004, I would venture to say you probably would have gotten just as lucky as we did. Uh, and the reason I say that is because there were, there were some amazing things coming into the market within a three-year period of us starting the business. Uh, one, the iPhone one just came out. Mm. So, you know, the app store and all of that was about to totally yep. launch. Um, Google Analytics came out as a platform the year after we started. So we'd already Perfect. been dabbling with AdWords. Now an the analytics platform gave us a whole new thing to sell. Yes. Um, WordPress came out the year we started. So we wow. were producing blogs for people. We produced an early podcast platform in 2006 and we're part that? of the first wave of podcasting before there was the natural distribution that there is then. So we were selling podcasting back then. Um, the other thing was Twitter came out in 07 and 07 was the year that Facebook was no longer just for college kids. So imagine you Perfect. are, you started a pure play digital agency. There were plenty of marketing agencies back then, but they right. were not digitally minded at all. And here you are doing all these cool things, playing with Facebook. What started happening was people heard about us and their clients were coming to them and they didn't have answers. Mm -hmm. So there was this one PR firm in New York who had Travel Channel as a client. And Travel Channel was asking questions about Facebook and YouTube. And this PR firm was like, go talk to these two clowns in Boulder. How did you know the and PR firm? That you guys just, the PR firm just knew who you were? I, there was a connection there somewhere? There was a connection somewhere. There was, it was James. It was James' connection. Okay, okay yep. great. Awesome. And, um, and that PR firm, by the way, they were like, you guys need to open up shop in New York because you kill it. You got to get out of Boulder. Nothing's in Boulder. <laughs> that, that could have been a, a way we went, but I'm glad we didn't. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Right. You know, so, um, so we ended up getting, you call, you're, you're calling your wife and you're like the travel channel just called us. <laughs> yeah. And, and we were at this point, James and I were, uh, so I should say we worked room 214 remotely for a year. Okay. Then I moved the family to Boulder after a year. Cause we realized, you know what, James and I should be in the same room together. I see. And we got some really cheap warehouse space in North Boulder, lots of flies, lots of, yeah, really tough. Cheap though, seven fifty a month. Um, seven fifty a month, love yeah, it. Little warehouse, and uh, so the Travel Channel called, and they're like, "Nah, you know, we need a lot of answers about YouTube and this thing called Facebook. I'm just gonna let you guys know we didn't budget for this. We can only carve out a sliver of a budget. It's only gonna be like twelve thousand a month. And we twelve thousand a month for how long? What was the contract? A year? Hell yeah! 
<laughs> we were like $12,000 a month. Are you kidding wow. me? Freaking wow, game changer. We're in business. <laughs> At this point, I think we had two employees. Wow. Wow. And so we're like, we, it's time to hire and it's time to get out of this freaking warehouse because if Travel Channel comes and visits us here, we're fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, that good. client ended up being awesome. a million dollar a year client. A million dollar a year client. Did you have to fly to New York to get the contract signed and close the deal? Or they did it. They did it over the phone. You did it. Over, yeah. I mean, it was email, you know. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. So, and we, of course, then we did spend time flying to New York and we got to know every podcast, every blog, every social media post you saw for the travel channel and all of their TV shows for several years was us. How about and, that? What, what, did somebody else own them at the time or no? Like who, who is the parent company? Yeah, they went through um, a couple different ownership and we okay. ended up losing the client as a result of them being purchased by, uh, I think it was the Food Network same okay. company, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, anyway, but anyway, that was your first big client that really, that really gave you the, the, the seed money, so to speak, to really just take off. That blew yeah. us up. And so in 2007, we put our stake in the ground and said, we are a social media agency. All right. And for about four years, if you typed in social media agency, no matter where you were on the planet. Number one on organic. Yep, that's right. <laughs> and so it was this time a flood of business we could actually service. Awesome. Um, awesome. And it was great. And, and so, uh, so, you know, we rode that wave for many years. And then, okay. you know, once Facebook opened up advertising in 2012, that was another wave we got to ride. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, today, um, 17 years later, 17 years later. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what I will say is, um, we definitely hit a crisis period. You know, we, we had a time where, um, honestly, I'd say we're still on the recovery from this, um, where you just, this is agency life, by the way, you'll have like three or four clients, your biggest ones fire you all around the same time. I mean, I, you know, I can relate, right. As a recruiting firm with in RiderFlex, you know, it's the same. If you're in a, if you're in a service business, that's how it is. I mean, the, the, no, no client is forever when you're in our line of work, right. It, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, if you have them for a couple of years, great, awesome, but you can't just, it's not a forever thing anyway. Yep. I totally get it. So go ahead. Yep. Uh, so we had to completely change and, mm-hmm. uh, and you have to always change to be relevant in this business. You know, mm-hmm. we are not, we do not refer to ourselves as a digital marketing agency. We are not a social media agency. Okay. Uh, we are um, a growth studio. Growth studio. I like that. Who came up with that term, by the way? Who, who that was us. I like it. I love it. Thanks. All right. I'm glad that's nice to hear. Yeah. yeah. So a growth studio is focused on building coherence across a company's brand marketing and sales efforts. Um, What we have found is that um, coherence is really the key. Uh, Another way to think of coherence would be flow. Um, And so the key to exponential growth in in our experience is working with companies that have achieved this coherence. Mm. Um, And so it's very much also rooted in deeply understanding your customers So we spend a lot of time these days using jobs to be done theory, which is a Harvard-based theory for product innovation. We've turned it on its side a bit. Uh, We've used it for marketing and sales purposes. What's really interesting is most people think they know their customers. They think they've defined personas and they've done maybe, you know, some third-party research or surveys and focus groups. It pales in comparison Mm. to leveraging something like jobs theory to deeply understand them 
Um, and so data is great and ad data is awesome, but data is all about correlation. And uh, correlation is great because it provides predictability, but correlation does not equal causation. And causation is the reason why people buy. Uh, and there's a really, there's a best practice for understanding why people buy. Most companies are not doing it. I see. So once you understand why they buy, now you have to take those insights, you have to pull them through into the message, into the brand. Um, you also have to pull them through into the channels, right? So how's the voice of the customer showing up in your ads, on your website, um, your emails, you know, pick your marketing channel, right? And then how is it even going through into sales conversations that sales reps may have or, you know, agents that are on a B2C side of the, the organization, um, and so there's a ton of opportunity there. We're super excited. You know, the business is growing again. Okay. Um, and, uh, and what's funny is a lot of the output that we do is consistent with what a lot of digital agencies will do, but it's coming with a much bigger picture perspective because ultimately if we're not building coherence and seeing significant levels of growth for our clients versus just little iterative incremental growth, mm -hmm. then, you know, so what? Go hire some other agency. Will you still do the tactical low-level social media stuff? Will you still do that along with the big picture stuff or no? Um, sometimes yes and sometimes no. The philosophy is we will do it with you or we will do it for you. Um, doing it with you means we might help you hire somebody. Okay. Um, and so, which is kind of nice that I have this connection with uh, you and Scott now. Right, so, right. You know, because in a lot of cases, you know, years ago, companies like, you know, Hello Kitty, Forever 21, like huge brands were coming to us and saying, do all of our organic social media, you know, do right, it all. Right. Well, it's like, you yeah. know what, you're going to pay an agency for that these days. In a lot of cases, that is a waste of your money. Hmm. So let's identify and be honest about the fact that it's the gig economy, that you can hire freelancers to get certain things done. And if you're going to spend your money on an agency, you better be getting something that you can't get from an individual or somebody on Upwork. Uh, that's a great point. Oh, that's a great point right there. Okay, very good. Who's your target customer right now? Are you are you targeting small, mid, large, certain industries? Talk to me about that. So in the spirit of evolution, we are going through the entrepreneurial operating system right now. So EOS, also known as Traction. Uh, and we've hired a consultant who's working with us over the course of a year or two essentially modify the way we run the business. Okay. Um, and part of that uh, structure and that process is, you know, it's visioning and it's, it's uh, accountability charts and things like that, but it's also choosing your niche and yep. really, yep. you know, recognizing, Hey, the riches is in the niches, right? Well, over time we have failed to do that. Um, mm -hmm. And it's been good in some ways and really challenging in others. And so right now, we are just in the beginning processes of saying, what is the target market for the future that we're going to go after? And okay. it looks radically different than who we are servicing today. So, so I say this with a little bit of <laughs> caution in my voice, but based on the fact that e-commerce grew about 44% last year, right. um, we're going to make a hard turn and we're going to start going after uh, companies that are selling online, direct to consumer, e-commerce. Direct, direct to consumer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and right now the bulk of our business is software as a service. Okay. Um, we have 
couple of really large clients. It doesn't mean we're going to fire them or try not to renew. We will certainly hang on to those clients the best that we can and we'll service mm -hmm. them the best that we can, but we will no longer proactively market to B2B companies. If they find us and the fit's right, cool, it'll fuel where we're going, mm -hmm. but um, it's not the future for us. Okay, got you. Plus, you want to diversify, right? If you if you got two giant clients that are eighty percent of your volume, it's always that always you know causes you to lose a little sleep at night. <laughs> yeah, I mean the benchmark we've always followed is make sure one doesn't occupy more than twenty five percent. I like that number. I, I like that number. Yep, I, that's that's a good number. Anything over twenty five percent is is pretty scary. Totally agreed. Okay, very good. And how many employees today? You total? Um, we're under thirty. Okay. Uh, which is actually a pretty good, pretty good number. Um, okay. once it gets right. over 30, you know, we've been as high as almost 50. Mm -hmm. So we've and, definitely uh, expanded and okay. contracted. Is it remote or do you, they all work out of your office there at room 214? We are a remote first organization as of April of last year. And stay that it'll be plan on planning on staying that way. We are, um, the, the beauty of that change was we began hiring people outside the state of Colorado. Uh, right. Yes. Whereas that was yep. off the table. Mm -hmm. um, so now, you know, we've got team members in St. Louis and Portland and Tampa um, and it's, it's beautiful. So to think that we would have a part-time in the office and then sometime outside the office in our minds actually does a disservice to those people who do not have that option. Mm. Um, and mm. so this, you know, beautiful building you see is right. uh, for lease right now because we were fortunate enough to buy it in 2015. And now it's just, now we're just paying for nothing. You know, I was going to ask you if you guys invested in that building or if you owned the building, I figured you did. Okay. So great. So you've also, well, congratulations. I mean, Hey, you know, first of all, 17 years in business and you and your partner still own a hundred percent in Boulder, uh, and you've had to pivot a few times and you're still got 30 something employees. I don't know if you want to share revenue on the call, but you, you still have a very successful business that is cash flow positive, no debt. I'm guessing you have no debt, no debt, no. cash flow, no debt, cash flow positive, And you own hundred percent plus you own a building and you've had to pivot several times. Congratulations, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Congratulations. Steve. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's nice of you, <laughs> you know, I mean, I interview, we interview so many entrepreneurs on the, on the Riderflex podcast, right? Over 200 guests so far, not very many own hundred percent and have been in business of 17 years without taking in outside cash. So congrats. And you're in a, I mean, you're in a competitive, you know, industry. I mean, there's, there's a shit ton of marketing agencies, right? I mean, they're just everywhere. They're uh, like gas stations on the corner. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, not am to I going to go to Texaco or Conoco or Shell today? Yeah. Not to mention all the freelancers that you're kind of up against to a certain degree, right? So congrats, really congratulations. Um, so for the listeners real quick, and I know we're over on time. Uh, I just want to make sure for the listeners, it is room214.com and that's the numbers 214. Um, you can go there. Is that the best way to make contact with you guys? Or do you want to give out any other information at all? I mean, you can always reach me, Jason, at room214.com. Okay, sounds uh, good. And you can also tag Jason online as well. You can go on LinkedIn, and I'm sure he loves to he loves to get connections there and 
and then a bunch of sales messages with people trying to sell him stuff. He, he, he likes to get those <laughs> all day long, all day. Right. I get like, every morning I wake up. I'm like, okay, here are like the 15 cheesy sales emails. I'm mean, sales messages. I'm getting on LinkedIn. Uh, that's another podcast. We could talk about that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, J- Jason, thank you so much for sharing your story on the Riderflex podcast and congratulations to you and James on what you've built over time. Steve, thanks so much. It's a pleasure to, pleasure to have the conversation with you. Thank you.